We are stronger than we think we are. Mm-hmm. And we just have to tap into that, whether you're making dietary changes or attempting to do something else that you really want to do. We are resilient. And that has certainly been something for me that feels good. It feels, yeah. it feels good. I am Lisa Roars, former executive coach turned podcaster and digital course creator. Just a few years ago, my typically unwavering optimism was put to the test when my autoimmune system went sideways and handcuffed my dreams to positively impact the world. Fast forward though, through years of failed experiments, dozens of doctors and countless hours of research, and I am now a healthy, thriving CEO of a business that is positively impacting the world by empowering people to exchange fear for fortitude and dis-ease for durability. I created the Sunshine Cafe podcast to give you strategies to be your best self-advocate so you can focus on the things which light you up. If you're looking for hope and encouragement to live a life you love, then you're in the right place. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to the Sunshine Cafe. Today's guest is my friend Leslie Maloney. She has built successful life enrichment and educational programs at the high school college, and community levels for over 35 years. She loves to have discussions that broaden perspectives and deepen our understanding of ourselves and each other. Her podcast called Meaning and Moxie After 50 is her platform to have some of those conversations. Leslie's also an author. She's created three books, which are all available on Amazon. You'll find the links here in the show notes. They are Things to Remember as You Fly from the Nest, Two is Mermaid Meg and the Magic Lagoon. And three is Danny's Adventures with the Ocean Lifeguards. And she's also got another one brewing in her imagination right now. So stay tuned. Leslie's married to her college sweetheart. They have two wonderful children. She loves to travel and be with her friends and family. She's just delightful. And I hope you enjoy her stories. Let's take a listen. Hi, Leslie. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me, Lisa. I'm excited. Oh my goodness. I've been looking forward to having our conversation, another conversation with you. First of all, this has been like one of those days. Have you ever had those days? I just woke up at like, I actually never went to sleep last night. I finally fell asleep around 3, 3.30. And so I just feel kind of haggard. I mean, I'm sure people listening feel like that. Some days you don't know why, but you just can't sleep. So yes. But pushing through it, it's all good. I don't know why. I think I had, maybe I accidentally had caffeine, didn't know it, but. Could be, could be. I will do that. And then the other thing I had this, I had this fear. (laughs) And even now I have this fear. We are recording, are we not? Yeah, I think you did. Didn't you? Isn't that funny? You ever like been on a Zoom call and you're like halfway, you know, you told yourself you were going to record it for someone and then like 10 minutes into it, you finally remember to hit the record button. Don't you yes. ever wonder the person coming in like 10 minutes into the conversation? Do you think they have any clue what you guys are talking about? <laughs> oh, I just think it's hilarious. Oh, we're so funny. Technology. I know, right? All right. Well, let's get into it here. We're just for the benefit of our listeners here. Leslie and I got a chance to meet via an online course that we took and just really kindred spirits and just had a lot of um, synergies in our histories and some of the things that we were both challenged with as well as encouraged by. And so I thought it'd be really fun to have her on the show because she's got such a great story about how 
she and her family made some changes to really embrace health and make some unique strides there. And I thought it would be encouraging to our listeners to, since we're kind of doing this series on health, I thought it'd be a real interesting conversation for them to learn with and from you, Leslie. So why don't you just give us a little bit more of an understanding about you and your background. I mean, I kind of know a little bit more about you, but tell our our listeners a little more about who you are and what lights you up. Sure. sure. Well, I've been, career-wise, I've been an educator my whole life, just about at every level too, but mostly at the high school, college, and community level. Okay. So I've taught and developed a lot of different programs in that respect. I live in Florida, married to my college sweetheart. We just celebrated 39 years actually last week. I know, I can't believe it. Congratulations. That's encouraging in its own right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And we raised two great kids. And so in their course, launched and off doing their own thing. And so that's sort of the, the short version, you know, and I've always been into health to in one degree or another. I've never been somebody that's really done the mainstream, you know, in terms of the mainstream medical model, maybe a little bit here and there when my kids were young initially, because I was a young mother and kind of was listening to initially what the docs were saying. But then even that I began to sort of go, oh, wait a minute here, but always had the the focus of as being as natural as you could be and kind of had that foundation of, you know, just following what nature is offering and then following that myself. That's um, really interesting. Do yeah. you, is there, was there a particular event that kind of made you pause on some of the Western medicine approaches? You know, that's a really good question. I ask myself because I feel like I've had that foundation for a long time and I can't really point to one. And it's very strong. It's a very strong feeling that I've just grown into more and more over time, but I can't really point to my mom a little bit. You know, my mom was raised actually in in Northern Illinois on a farm. And so, you know, she had some of that, but I just kind of, I think I, I came in with some of this on my own, my spirit just sort of, and I just really trust the body. I really trust the body and, and what it can do and what it's designed for. And I think that has to tie in to my strong faith as well. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty unwavering. Awesome. And, 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 and it's been tested a few times. Yeah. You know, how strong is your belief in the body? And it feels solid now. There were some times when it, it didn't because people are like, are you sure? And especially when you have a doctor in your face telling you something else. Mm-hmm. But, but there's a lot yeah. more science coming out now. People have access to the studies that are done that are really showing the efficacy of natural medicines. And it does sometimes take longer. Natural medicines Uh heal, but they heal slowly. But I think the beautiful thing about that is there's never a side effect. I mean, not never, but I mean, there's often, you know, every drug has a side effect. And not that I'm anti-drug, because I think they definitely serve their purpose in multiple situations. But Mm -hmm. I think going to them first is sometimes... I think we sometimes over-prescribe when sometimes just changing what we're doing in our bodies and giving our bodies the natural way that God intended us to heal. We don't have the side effects when you're having nuts and berries and, you know, herbs Mm -hmm. and things that are intended for our bodies in the form that they were intended. Yes. Yes. And that, and that's so true. And so it is, it's, it's trusting. Yes. Sometimes things will take longer 
And, you know, things like a temperature, you know, that's the body trying to try to heal itself. And so recognizing that a lot of the times the symptoms that we try to medicate, you know, the symptoms are the cure. They're part of the cure and really recognizing that and not being afraid of it. Because we I think we're taught with by through a lot of different messaging to, you know, be afraid of this kind of stuff. Yeah. Let's pause on that for a second, because a fever is a really good example of one of those. Well, why don't you tell our listeners what you know about the fever and how it actually helps our bodies? Yeah. Well, a fever is just your body trying to bake something out of your body. It's trying to heat itself up. There's some kind of virus or bacteria going on in there and, and it's, it's trying to bake it out, essentially. Right. Yeah. There's certain viruses and whatnot that are not able to withstand high temperatures, but the good bacteria and things like that are able to withstand that high temp. So our body heats up to kind of, like you said, bake it out and get the bad things out and keep the good things in. But sometimes we we rush so quickly to throw a Tylenol or something at them and we lose the benefit of that heat that's there to try to kill whatever it is that's kind of not doing, not not where it should be. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or our cough. You know, a cough is our body trying to expel mucus, mm-hmm. essentially. And so when we when we mute that, we're not allowing the lungs and all that to work together. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had this cough for two weeks and, or you're in the middle, you're about to give a speech or something, obviously, you know, you want to take a cough drop, but, you know, being patient once again with the body that that cough will go away. Let it, let it run its course, let it do its thing. Yeah, that's really wise counsel. You know, I, as a singer, one of the things that I learned early in as I was taking vocal lessons and learning how to sing properly and trying to take good care of my voice is not to take a, a throat lozenge or something like that if you have a sore throat. Because what you tend to do then is you talk because you don't feel the pain and the pain is actually there to help protect your throat and your vocal cords until you're in a place where it's healed and you're in a better place. So yeah, actually inviting that pain to say, well, that's a good boundary for myself. So I don't talk or overuse my voice while it's in this process of healing. Sure, sure. No. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I never really thought of it that way. But yeah, let because once again, yeah, it's it needs rest. You know, I've even read things recently about some different ways of approaching when we have, let's say we sprain an ankle, mm-hmm. you know, and one of the go-tos is put ice on it, mm-hmm. right? And, and And so there's some thinking now not to do that that the body has swollen up and it's trying to protect the injury, kind of like your throat that you're just describing. It's trying to protect the injury and uh, our job is to stay off of it. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times we get that ice right on there because we're going to reduce the swelling because we got things to do and want to be out the door. Yes. Right. uh, So even something as basic as that, if you do some Google searches on ice, there's some doctors coming forward saying, well, maybe we need to rethink that. You know, that's it's, it's an interesting thing for us all to be aware that science in general is a wealth of information, but it's only valuable in this moment. As soon as we learn something new or as soon as we get another data point or as soon as we get another experiment that that tells us otherwise, then science changes. Right. We've got all kinds of examples of where doctors even were doing one particular approach. And once they learned from a trial and error and trial and error or study, then they got to shift their approach because another approach was 
proving to be more successful. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and just and good research, right? The research that's not bought and paid for, and realizing that the true science is always changing. We we sometimes I think we get caught in, well, this is how I learned it, or this. I it's like just what you're saying. It's continually changing. We have to be open to that, but also being aware of. Where are we getting our messaging from? Where did that study come from? Who paid for it? Is there a conflict of interest? Because there's so, so much of that going on. Mm -hmm. Uh, It has been going on for a long time. And so just being aware of where these these different research papers are coming from. And um, is there some other ulterior motives in their messaging? Yeah. Excellent point, Leslie. Yeah. To just make sure that the data you're getting is independent and without ulterior motives. It's really great. Okay. So you've been a teacher, by the way, I just have to say thank you. I'm just a huge fan of teachers and all of the ways that you pour into the youth of our country and all the things that you um, help raise them up, not just in the topic of whatever course it was that you were teaching, but also in just learning how to learn from a teacher, learning how to learn in that school environment and how to cooperate with other students. I mean, those are life lessons that um, you just can't replace. Those are really important. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank so you. thank you for your gift, for <laughs> all the work that you do as a teacher. Tell us how you got into teaching. And then let's talk a little bit about how these two worlds of your health and your teaching kind of have come together. Well, you know, I think I really got into teaching probably my older sister. She was a teacher. And she was quite influential on me. And I saw what she was doing and it just seemed to be something. I was like, oh, okay, I think I would like that. And school in general was typically a place that was positive for me. So to enter that world was felt familiar. Okay. And so, yeah, I became a social studies teacher and my my degree was actually in sociology, but I became a social studies teacher. So I was teaching all the subjects pretty much underneath that umbrella. But as my career advanced, and even now, I teach sociology, a couple of classes online at our local college, but psychology and sociology kind of became where I landed, I guess, more than anything else after over time. And I taught, yeah, mostly juniors and seniors. So it was older kids when I was in the high school. Mm -hmm. And then I also developed programs for women in transition who were maybe had been at home and trying to go back to work, programs for them. And other type community programs just for self-empowerment. So it's been a little bit of everything, but it it all made sense. It all came together under life enrichment more than anything else. All right. You had mentioned when we chatted uh, before our conversations in, in the past, just about some of the fasting that your family has done and some of the choices that your family has made to go kind of away from the standard American diet, which I think is hilarious that the acronym for the standard American diet is SAD, <laughs> S-A-D, oh, no. the standard American diet. So what kinds of things or what was the pivot point that took you as a teacher pouring into students, pivoting you and your family then toward more of this different healthy approach? Right. Well, like like I said earlier, our family has always been aware of healthy eating and there's different levels of that, right? Mm-hmm. And You know, ingredients, and I would say I was mostly vegetarian as an adult, which is kind of something I naturally gravitate to anyway. And I would say that looking back on it, um, you know, we ate okay, but 
my son got sick in 2017-18 and it ended up being toxins, black mold and that kind of thing. And then also my husband became ill about six months to a year later with with some intestinal thing that they could never figure out. So when with all that going on, we took matters into our own hands because we did explore the medical model, the mm-hmm. allopathic model, to some degree, and we weren't getting a lot of answers. We weren't really getting any answers. And so we sort of upped our game as a family and decided we, we all became vegan. So we eliminated the dairy and the meat and all caffeine and sugar and things like that. And at the same time, you realize there's something going on here with toxicity. And so we need to help the body kick it out. And so we started juicing and it just, and, and sorry, to hear, but did you juice like in addition to what you were eating then, or did you juice more exclusively like as a juice fast? Well, as I began this journey, and I'll just speak for myself personally, I started reading and I was aware of juicing. You know, my sister had, uh, she stopped smoking, started juicing. They told her she could never get pregnant. And lo and behold, boom, she got pregnant maybe six months later. So, you know, there were people around me that had had great benefit from juicing. And I played with it a little bit here and there, but nothing long term and, and more serious. I just kind of dabbled. And so I began to read about some of these people that said, well, just eat fruit all day. Just go eat fruit all day. That's because you don't want to just jump right into some of these. You sort of have to ease your way into them and see how your body responds, depending on how toxic it is. Mm. So I remember standing there in my backyard and I thought, okay, I'm going to do this because I'm not going to know unless I try. So I remember thinking, all right, I'm just going to eat apples all day. I'm just going to see what happens. And so I did what I had to do that day. And by the, the following day, I'm like, oh, I feel pretty good. And you know what? I'm still standing. And I, yeah, I lived. And I, yeah, exactly. And so it was sort of from there. Okay, well, what would two days be like? And so on. And then once you're doing that, or if you're doing that with vegetables, it can be the same way, then it becomes, well, what would happen if I started juicing these things and my body didn't have to use energy to di- digest? And so then from there was mostly using fruit, which fruit is, a, is, more, um, is more pulling than, uh, than vegetables are. I mean, it's all different, all different levels. And really, it just comes down to alkaline versus acidity. So can we explain what you mean by pulling for our listeners? Okay. Pulling toxins out. Got it. Pulling toxins out of the body because what ends up happening is when we start to give our body uh, a break, whether we're just eating fruits and vegetables or we're juicing or we're water fasting, whatever level you're going to kick it to, your body can then start to work on healing because we do hold toxins, especially in our fat cells. That's where the toxins will stay and hide. Mm -hmm. And so when I say pulling, I mean that the the body will start to pull, will pull it out. Right. And some people can, depending on the level in their body, there will be what they call healing symptoms that come along with that. Like you might get sick to your stomach. You might want to throw up. You might get a headache. 
you might have no energy and, you know, and, and so on and so forth. And people usually at that point say, I can't do this. You know, this is, this is making me feel bad. Well, that's the point. And kind of reframing that as this is part of the symptoms because these things are exiting. Right. We all can kind of imagine, uh, we've seen maybe even if just in the movie, somebody who is an alcoholic or a drug addict who is going through that detoxification process where they, <laughs> they're physically feeling a whole lot of symptoms because they have stopped the drug, the alcohol or whatever it might be. So juicing is very similar to that. You That's start, a great analogy. Yeah, mm-hmm. you start juicing and all of a sudden your body, it's freed up to say, great, thank you for the break. Now I can get rid of some of this stuff that I haven't had the, the resources and the rest to get rid of. And yeah, you can start feeling sick and crummy for a few days. And I always tell my friends who ask me about juicing, the amount of crumminess that you feel is going to be directly proportional to how much crummy food you were eating or how much crummy your environment has been. Yeah. Because um, it's just yeah. like your body's working through getting rid of it and it doesn't feel good on the way out. Exactly. And usually the hardest time of a fast and it doesn't really matter what type of that is the first few days. And mm-hmm. then a lot of your cravings start to, to fall off. Mm-hmm. And then if your symptoms get too strong, you can always slow it down. If you're moving too fast and it's like too much, then what you do is like you can start introducing more vegetables to your juices because mm-hmm. vegetables will slow some of that down. Or maybe you have a sweet potato a big sweet potato, or there are different people that recommend different things, but there's ways to slow it down. But at the same time, you don't want to become afraid of those symptoms and then put a big roadblock in the middle and, and all your progress you've made. Now you got to kind of start it, start the engine up again. Exactly. And that's where trusting your body mm-hmm. is really an important thing that this magnificent instrument that we walk around in all day is, I mean, it's, it's incredible. I mean, it's divine. Yeah. It's divinely created and it knows what it's doing. Yeah, it sure does. And I love what you had said about taking a pause to listen to your body and listening to what things it needs and, you know, understanding that if you're going to do a a fast, whether it's intermittent fasting or water fasting or juice fasting, that you're going to have those couple of days of kind of a, a crummy feeling. But if you can trust your body, give yourself three days and then start listening. I think it's a process. Don't you think it's a process of learning? Like you, like you, I love that you did this experiment to just say, hey, I'm not going to know if I don't give it a try. And how you whoa, survived at the end of the day. I did apples <laughs> for a day. I didn't eat any meat and I actually lived to tell about it. That I mean, that's a, it's kind of fun when you reframe it and you start embracing the excavating of our own self and what is it that this particular body needs because we are so individual everyone's got different needs both food and nutrition wise and movement and everything so yeah and it's so true that you won't know unless you try (laughs) and it's and there's so much misinformation out there that we've been told and so you you have to find out for yourself and maybe you don't jump into a juice fast maybe you just start cleaning up your diet in a big way Mm-hmm. If you stop eating sugar and stop drinking alcohol or whatever else you, you happen to be doing and just start dropping some of those things, you're giving your body a break and your body will start to work better. Because I definitely would not recommend somebody jump right into a water fast or, or a, a juice fast if they haven't 
started to clean up prior to that. Exactly. Because you want it to be a good experience. Right. Yeah. And our bodies adapt, but they adapt slowly. So you want to give them a slow easing into it. So that's a really good point, Leslie, that you make is if you've never done a fast, it probably is a really good place to start with some intermittent fasting. Start just Mm -hmm. skipping breakfast and then having lunch and dinner. And then maybe after you've tried that for a few days, then maybe try skipping breakfast and lunch and just have dinner and kind of making that eating window smaller and smaller. And after you've done that, maybe a couple rounds of that, maybe you go back to your somewhat normal eating diet. And then next time you go back to it, you could try doing just right to the only dinner kind of an intermittent fasting. You have to see how you feel understanding that you've got some things to work through. So it is an experiment. You do need to listen to your body. But if you're feeling a little bit crummy, understand you're stronger than you think you are. And if you just push through it for a little bit, you might be able to get through the other side. With that said, I would also say that certainly you have to check with your healthcare practitioner. Make sure that if you're Absolutely. if you're otherwise healthy and you're able to take this on, you know, certainly Leslie and I are not recommending anybody dive into this without really being really smart about what kinds of decisions you're making for your body. But my goodness, thousands of years, people have been fasting to great uh, health benefits. And so it's really a great tool to learn more about and to experiment with. Absolutely. And yeah, I I think what you just said there, it's fasting. If you go back and look at some of the historical literature, whether it be biblical or any of the other religions or cultural, you know, fasting was a way that they helped themselves be healthy mm-hmm. and they didn't have hospitals all over the place and all this big pharma. And so, yeah, you'll see it in a lot of the religions on their holy days. They're still fasting. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I do on a regular basis is when you think about breakfast, break fast, mm-hmm. right? So you've been fasting all night while you've been sleeping. Mm-hmm. And so if you get up in the morning, you were talking about the intermittent fasting. I will eat only fruit in the morning. A lot of times until lunchtime, sometimes I'll go all day just with fruit. And fruit has been given a bad name. Fruit is a natural, simple sugar. It's not the same sugar as when you're eating Three Musketeers bar. Mm -hmm. So it's two different types of sugar in the body and they act differently. And so that's a whole other topic. Mm-hmm. But I would encourage anybody who's afraid of sugar to take a look at the difference between those two things that I just mentioned. But so often I will just eat fruit and fruit is very easily digestible and, the, and you know, is a quick energy, but I'm still not putting a lot of food in my body. So my body is still on somewhat of a fast, if you will. It's certainly much lighter. So I haven't really broken the full fast of the evening Mm -hmm. until maybe lunchtime, let's say. And so that's a nice way to play around with things too. If you don't want to just jump right into a a juice is to say, okay, well, I'm just going to, you know, the first five hours of the day, I'm just going to have fruit or have have some kind of green juice or something. Mm -hmm. Another way to approach it. Yeah. And you know, God packaged fruit in a really amazing way because before we, you know, genetically selected the largest apples that are, you know, ginormous and look more like a soft, well, not even a softball these days. They're so huge. But they were small little packages of both 
the fruit juice that you were talking about, but also the fiber and the sugars are offset by the fiber that's packed in that nice little single serving size of an apple or an orange or a banana or berries. They're just, they're packaged with these beautiful complements of fiber and the fruit. So that's partly why the sugar of fruit is not as bad for us because it's paired with that fiber, which helps slow down that digestion. So you choosing a fruit uh, way to break your fast in the morning for breakfast is kind of a gentle way to get your body, you know, gentle, hello, body, I'm just going to gently wake you up here and let you come into the day. I think that's great. I bet some of our listeners are wondering what kind of fruits are your go-to? So what do you start your day with? Yeah, well, I'm a big watermelon person, and this is a habit that I just developed when I made all these bigger changes four or five years ago. And it's one of those things that it's just, it's for me, it's like, I don't have my watermelon. It's, it's like coffee is for some people. I mean, it's just like, I gotta have my watermelon. And thankfully I'm able to get it year round pretty much. So it's just good. But I mean, it can be anything, oranges, grapes. I mean, whatever you happen to like, mm-hmm. just, I would say, you know, just nibble on that and see, see how you feel. What I do notice is if somebody will invite me out to breakfast or I eat maybe something that's heavier mm-hmm. and I immediately can tell a difference in my energy level for the rest of the day. Yeah. We're more sluggish when we have that big breakfast meal. Yeah. And so it's become so, so typical for me now that that's just how I want to run. If I want to get things done during the day, I want to do this, I want to do that. I want that high energy level. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take this back to that conversation that we were having about listening to your body and being your good self-health advocate, because when you start really listening, first of all, I think there's a lot of people out there who don't even know how good they could feel because they're so used to feeling the way they do feel. So again, going back to your comment about you just don't know if you don't try, right? You You might be missing out on the best feeling the best, most energetic way of living that you've never even been aware of. If you don't know about it, you just never tried it. So so being that health advocate and learning to listen to our bodies, then once you've done a couple of these fasts, then you really notice the difference, don't you? When you have um, a heavier breakfast or you have the more greasy meat and eggs kind of a breakfast, you just notice the difference. And not to say you can't ever have that. It's just kind of Good to note. Okay. All right, body. You you don't like that as much. I'll try not to do that every day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you do. It's that's very, very true. And I think now for me, if I'm walking through the grocery store or by a restaurant that has some really, really yummy stuff. Uh-huh. And it's like, oh, that looks really good. I I pause for a moment and I know how I'm gonna feel the glory of eating that. For 30 minutes or however, 15 minutes probably. And how I may feel after is not worth it. And you get to a point where it's not even really a temptation. Mm -hmm. You just sort of go, no. It's not to say that you don't sometimes indulge, but in general, the indulgences are less because you you know, oh, this feeling good for all day is way better than what I'm going to get in that short time if I eat that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's the difference. Maybe um, I always like to try to find different terms to put it in of having a glass of wine with a special dinner because it's a special thing 
but you don't have five glasses of wine because you know that you're going to feel really horrible the next day if you do that. It's very comparable to that kind of a food hangover when you start to learn different foods and how they affect your body. You don't want to feel that way the next day. You want to be able to enjoy the energy and the the clarity of thinking and all the things that come with really putting good nourishment into your body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so true. So true. And I know for me, if I'm going to crave something now, because I used to have a sweet tooth, I it's more something savory for me now. It's not usually something sweet anymore. And I do notice too, because I don't moderate too much with salt, but I, I try to be aware how much salt something has. But let's say I go out to a restaurant and there, of course, they use a lot of salt typically. I'll come home that evening and I'm so thirsty. Yes. And I'll be able to tell much more than I did in years past. And usually I'll crave watermelon, of course, because watermelon is so hydrating. Mm-hmm. And I just want to have some watermelon just to kind of start to rebalance all the salt I ate. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Your body's craving the hydration. That's a really good thing that you're aware of it now. You can hear what your body's saying to you. So Right. Right. Okay. So let's back up a little bit then. You mentioned about the health concerns that your both your son and your husband were having. And then as a family chose to make this direction change into more of a vegan way of eating. So mm-hmm. what kinds of outcomes did your family experience after making some of those changes? Yeah, thankfully, in both cases, everybody's doing well. I think we're all in maintenance with this. You know, we are continually exposed to different toxins just because we live in this world and mm-hmm. and you want to live your life and not worry about it all the time either. Right. And so you periodically got to clean out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we all have that attitude of periodically cleaning out, taking a couple of days and doing a juice fast or a water fast, that sort of thing. Okay. But yeah, everybody's doing well. And I would say that it's definitely a part of our life now. Okay. Well, once you've experienced that kind of healthy transformation, you don't want to give it up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And in the case of my husband, when he couldn't get answers for his intestinal issue, he ended up doing a 21-day water fast. Wow. And he did it down in Costa Rica. He ended up Skyping, Zooming. At that time, it was Skype with the person who runs that water fasting center down there. So he has some guidance morning, helping him. Through. Yeah, he got guidance and every morning they checked in and he monitored his blood pressure and that sort of thing. But to watch that, to watch that unfold mm. was really quite remarkable. Once again, all those things we've been told about, oh, you can't survive. <laughs> you know, there's there's thousands of people that have done this and found healing mm-hmm. and gone even further than that. Mm-hmm. So, but it's just, you just don't know until you enter that world, until you start trying. And I did a 50-day juice fast. And if you'd have told me 10 years ago, I'd be doing that. I, but once I got rolling with it, it wasn't really that hard. Mm-hmm. You just start, as you know, you just kind of start shifting over. You're not giving a lot of attention to food. We spend a lot of time thinking about food yes, every day. Money. Time and money. Time, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, I still could, was as social as I wanted to be. I'd come with my little juice. And my friends and family got used to that. And you just rolled along with it. But it really changes your relationship with food when you do something like that. Mm-hmm. Because you do start to see how much you can potentially be spending time on. 
the whole thing of what we're eating and how we're doing it. Yeah. It's a huge money saver to fast, quite frankly, and time saver when you don't have to think about what you're going to make for dinner and get into the grocery store and all the stuff that you have to do to prepare for that. I've had some friends say, oh, I could never afford a juice fast. You know, organic fruits and vegetables are so expensive. And I'm like, have you checked your grocery bill lately? <laughs> and so true. And and then also you got to look at, okay, what's it going to cost? What's it going to cost if you were sick? Good point. You know, because you're not taking care of yourself. And mm-hmm. so what down the road, what's that going to cost? Right. So you're either you know, spending it at medicine. the grocery store, you're spending it at the ER, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's very true. And it's, and it's so, it, food is medicine. Yeah, it really is. It's awesome. Wow. 50 days juice fast. Good for you. Good for you. Did you start out with that in mind? 50 days in mind? No, I didn't. I, you know, that was not something out of the gate. I had done some shorter ones before that. Okay. So I worked my way up to that. And it was one of those, I, I'm trying to remember now how I started that. Because sometimes I would go into those and say, well, I'm going to start. I'm not really sure how long I'm going to go. Because so there's times when it's harder than other times. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's emotional stuff going on. And, you you know, maybe it's just too hard at this time. You're stressed, whatever reason. And and then there's other times where, gosh, this is this is going pretty smoothly. Let's see what else I can do. And I think I think on that one, I, it turned out to be like that. I just sort of was okay. One week, let's see how I feel at the end of one week. Okay, let's see how I feel at the end of two weeks. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I take a similar approach when I do my fast, and I always make it a minimum of three days because that's where you get the real good body mm-hmm. responses that are happening after three days. And then I was like, okay, we'll see. Oh, day four was pretty good. Let's try day number five. Yeah. Day number five, I feel pretty good. I have found, and, and I'm a huge, I mean, I'm a, I was raised meat and potato girl. I, I honestly think I started college not knowing what was a fruit and what was a vegetable. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know which one was which. And, you know, carbs and proteins and all the things that we know about food now, I totally off my radar. We grew up really poor. And so anything that was free, cheap and or fast was really what we went with. But when I started learning about food and and how it helps our body and all that stuff, it was just eye-opening. It was so amazing to me, just the knowledge to learn about what this food can do for our bodies was so helpful. I was going to say something else about that, and I forgot what it was at the moment. But anyway, (laughs) all that to say that it takes some time to get educated. Oh, and I was going to say that if if you'd ever told me before when I was younger that I was going to pass by a plate of tortillas with melted cheese on them, I would say, you're crazy. That's like one of my weak spots. Like I just love tortilla chips with cheese. Love that. Or the sugar or the desserts. But you get past day three or past day four, you really do not want them. They were in my pantry and I was like, I just don't really want it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me to not want that is like like a major, like I feel like I just moved a mountain. (laughs) Yeah. I know cheese for me was really hard to give up. That was meat, not so much. I was never a meat person, but to, you know, to any great extent, but cheese was the one. And I remember even when, you know, just like, how is this going to work? And how am I going to socialize? And how, what am I going to eat? And all those things in the beginning, when you're making these dietary changes, whatever it will be, it feels very uncomfortable because this is the way you've been doing things. And really cheese, if you study up on cheese, there's an actual craving 
in cheese. And that's why we, it's one of those things you want it, want it, want it, want it. Yeah. It's addicting. Um, it's it just, yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. It is very and addicting. Our food is created genetically in the science lab. It is created to have those markers that drive our cravings because guess what? They can sell more if you are craving more. I mean, that's the, the society we live in. The, the almighty dollar drives business. So it makes a lot yeah. of sense. But um, yeah. really just encouraging to know that those cravings that anybody out there, oh, I could never do a fast. That's usually what I hear from people. Oh. You'd be surprised what you're capable of when you just give yourself a chance to try it, like you had said, Leslie, just to give yeah. yourself a chance to give it a try. Sure. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I remember thinking, well, are we never going to go out to eat again and all those things. And it's funny how looking back on it now, because I'm, we're six years in, in terms of the vegan diet and it's not a big deal. I mean, it, you go in, you make little, like, mo most of the time there's an option mm -hmm. on the menu. And then if there's not, you just say, Hey, can you do this? Can you do that? You know, can you make a little tweak here and there? It's, so all these things that I worried about in the beginning are non-issues now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and really anything I want to make, I, I mean, I could take any recipe and turn it vegan. Mm -hmm. And also I'm not a junk food vegan in terms of some of these fake meats that are out there. Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, I'm not big on those because here again, it's processed. processed. And so, you know, you, you got to get back to what's fresh yeah. and what's real food. Exactly. No matter what you're doing. Yeah. And uh, as a society, at least for me, I had to learn to separate food from fun. That yes, you can still go and hang out at the event and hang out at the wedding and go to the birthday party. And you really can leave without having birthday cake. And yes. you will feel better for it. You really don't <laughs> have to participate. And again, to take it into a different context, I think about sweet friends of mine who have struggled with alcoholism. Are they supposed to never go to a birthday party or a wedding ever again? No, of course not. They have to learn how to separate fun from the alcohol and that, yes, they can go have fun and fellowship and enjoy those times with friends and family without putting that piece of it into the puzzle. So yeah. I think we have learned to celebrate so much around that table of food and equate that I can't go to such and such an event because I can't eat. Well, wow, there's so many memories and love and enjoyment and joy that you're missing by marrying the food and the fun so closely that you can't enjoy the fun and leave the food out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so it's so true. There's a lot wrapped up in that that you have to kind of tease out. Yeah, very true. And it's a process. My goodness, I've been at this working on it for six years. <laughs> it's definitely mm -hmm. a process. And like you and your family, you kind of have been working over too, I think about the same time, six, seven yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because I was a social drinker before I made this big change in terms mm -hmm. of being a vegan. And at that time too, I just thought, well, I'm just going to stop that too, because I'm, I want, I'm trying to clean up. Yeah, And it wasn't one of those, like, I'm never going to drink again. I just like, I'm trying to clean up. So why would I drink alcohol on top of, you know, and I haven't had a drink since. And it was oh. one of those things that, and it's not to say I, I won't, but once again, I weigh it now. I see that glass of wine and I see it a little different now. And I'm like, well, is that, do I really want that? <laughs> and so it's such a great exercise for looking at your beliefs 
and rebalancing what your priorities are. Yeah. And being intentional instead of just eating and thinking later, really Mm -hmm. being intentional about what we put into our bodies or onto our bodies before we do that. True. That too. Well, I I think we're going to have to have you on the program again, Leslie, because you just have such a wealth of experience. And I love that you are this beautiful soul, everyday teacher who even our listeners' kids might be having class with today. So I just think it's beautiful. You have this very real experience and your family kind of took this beautiful journey to move more toward the nourishing food that God gave us for our bodies and giving our bodies the best opportunity to heal and cleanse. I just think that's a really fantastic story to hear. You have a podcast that you're launching, right? Yes, I have a podcast that's launching in the middle of January 2024 called Meaning and Moxie After 50. And so as it implies, we're just going to be having conversations with people, men and women that are just living life with courage and grit and spunk and telling a lot of their stories on there and just having fun. It's on all the platforms, or you can go to meaningandmoxieafter50.com. Okay. And you can find some of the buttons there and some other information about me and some of the things that I'm up to. Awesome. As far as that goes. Fantastic. And we'll be sure to put that information in the notes too on the uh, podcast so people can spell it out and find it nice and clear. So, all right. Well, I've got just a couple last little quick questions for you, and then we can kind of wrap up. But on your journey, is there any one kind of thing that stands out as one of the biggest surprises or something that surprised you along the way that you didn't expect? What pops in my head, and this is really goes beyond the juicing journey, but it does apply to that as well, just how strong I am Hmm. and how resilient, I guess resilient is, is probably a better word, how resilient I am. And I think that's true for all of us. We are stronger than we think we are. Mm -hmm. And we just have to tap into that, whether you're making dietary changes or attempting to do something else that you really want to do, that we are resilient. And that has certainly been something for me. It feels good. It feels it feels good. Uh It does. Awesome. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, Leslie, thank you so much for the time and just being with us today. It's just a pleasure to talk with you and uh, really appreciate the chance to share your story with the rest of our listeners. Well, same here, Lisa. I've I've really enjoyed it. And I feel like you're going to do a lot of great work and reach a lot of people. Thank you. Hey, Karen. Well, so many great things in that discussion. I just want to summarize some key points for you. Number one, trust your body. So often the mild symptoms that our bodies present us with are the cure. It's the body trying to do what it was designed for. So if you have a mild fever or a mild cough, sore throat, They might just simply be indicators to rest. Trust your body. Pay attention and listen to what your body's telling you. And sometimes remember that the pain is actually there to protect us from using something that is in the process of healing. Number two, we have to be careful about where we get our information from. If we're taking a drug or taking action on a study, pause and ask yourself, where did that study come from? Who paid for it? Is there a conflict of interest? Is the messaging honest or are they just trying to sell me something? Number three, if the normal path is not giving you answers, you might need to take a different path. Seek out more information. Be your own health advocate and find the answers you need. Be open to experimenting with different foods or fasting processes. You're not going to know unless you try. Number four, 
our bodies hold toxins, especially in our fat cells. So if you're starting to fast and lose weight, you'll often start feeling a little worse before you feel better. Just trust that this is part of the process. Listen again to your body. The crummy feeling you might be having could be a sign that your body's actually healing. Know that you are stronger and more resilient than you think you are. And if you just gently push through it for a little longer, you might be able to get through to the other side. Number five, fasting is an ancient tool which has been used for thousands of years. But be wise about using that tool, just like you would any other tools like a table saw. You might not be able to just jump right into a fast. Consider your health history, past and present, and consider how toxic your eating has been. Start slow, one meal at a time, and see how your body responds. Number six, be wise. If you're considering a fast of any sort, check with your healthcare practitioner and be sure you're strong and healthy and ready to take on this adventure. Also, take special consideration if you're on any pharmaceuticals, because sometimes those drugs require food in your system and it would not be recommended to do a fast while you're taking them. Number seven, when you face one of your food triggers, take a moment to pause. Consider how you're gonna feel after that three to five minutes of glory. Feel the guilt and the yucky feelings that you're gonna have before you eat it. The three minutes of delight that you get is not worth feeling how you're gonna feel afterwards or the 60 minutes you're gonna have to work out just to burn it off. Number eight, separate the food from the fun. Learn to elevate your friends, family, and the fun of your fellowship over the food. Remember, yes, you can go to the party without having cake. Don't let the temptation of the food keep you from enjoying time with those that you love. Life's just way too short for that. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your friends, family, or again, anyone who will listen. And take a quick moment to write a review. As a newly launched podcast, those reviews really help us know what we're doing well and help others know that the content is valuable. We talked a lot about fasting today. I am launching a digital course in January called Fast, Pray, Heal. Together, we're going to explore about the different kinds of fasts, how to prepare for one, how to safely conduct a fast, how to leverage this ancient tool as a way to ignite healing and break the strongholds on your healing journey. Go to lisarose.com for all the details and to reserve your spot for the January class, which is sure to sell out quickly. lisaroars.com. Thanks again for listening. God bless and have a beautiful day.